We did recently have an audit where they took three truckloads of Franklin's recycling U-Bulk, mm -hmm. spread it all out, went through it, um, and the threshold is 10%, where if you're above 10% contamination, you'll have you'll receive the higher rate for right. recycling tipping. Sure. And we were below that rate, which is really good news. That is really good. Uh, so we had one three years ago and just uh, two months ago as well. So everyone in Franklin is doing a really good job. It just proves that... I care for Franklin Matt is Franklin Public Radio anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial here today for another Talk Franklin episode with a town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, Steve. How are you? I'm Good doing well. We got a nice big crowd today. We're we do. To we got a full up. room. We're going to have right. some fun. We are going to have fun. Absolutely. That's the whole point of it. It is. We're going to have a lot of fun. We brought the whole team, um, and we're going to talk all things DPW. Excellent. And Deputy Administrator, ouch. <laughs> that was a rare flub. Jet, jet lag. Sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll accomplish that part. Uh, Amy Frigoletti. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well. Still recover from the jet lag, but we'll, that, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like public works projects to bring you back to home. And Absolutely. Out. There's, and yeah, we'll get into that as we go. There's a whole lot going on. So we've got a group of folks here. Why don't we just go around the room and identify yourself and the department so the people will be able to assign uh, names and voices as we get into the conversation. I am Tony Breda with the highway department. I'm the assistant um, highway and ground superintendent. And I am Carlos Rebello, the highway and ground superintendent. Yes. Mike Maglio, town engineer, acting director. Uh, Jay Stearns, fleet manager, Central Motors. Kate Inkley, I'm the director of GIS. Eric Adams, stormwater and environmental affairs superintendent. Uh, Doug Martin, uh, water and sewer superintendent. Yes. So there's a bunch going on. Where do you want to start? Well, I, I want to get them engaged because we were just having a fun conversation actually offline, which probably would have, it always happens, right? Yeah. And we wish that conversation of fleet was, was online. But, um, you know, this is part of our series to try to, I think, do a new Talk Franklin, kind of upgrade things from the pandemic, which was very popular, and try to bring in other departments and division heads and, and talk about everything. And the thing, you know, I'll start off with today, um, you know, we're going to start with the biggest construction work project in probably town history. I'm just going to put Doug on the spot in a second. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, my experience, I think when we bring in all the division heads and the staff, um, we've taken folks on tours of, of, of the pollution control district and water treatment plants. And we go online and see all the stuff that Kate and her team does with GIS and access GIS and maps. Um, you know, we're all over stormwater for the last few years. Everybody in Franklin, Every single resident and property in the town of Franklin is impacted by these folks right here. Right. They are the only department in town, not even the schools, are this, actually impacted. Most people don't call the police. Most people hopefully don't have to call 911. Right. Um, but as I frequently say, number one, DPW affects every single square inch of town, mm -hmm. every single property owner, whether they live here or they don't. Right or whether they're a resident who just moved here last year or lived here their whole life, um, the Department of Public Works impacts everybody. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, that's kind of last last week or last month we had the town clerk because the election season. The election. We really wanted to start off with the DPW for that reason. And I think most people come away um, when they learn more about what the DPW does, not just mowing lawns or fields or, or, or crack seal, chip sealing roads. I think in our experience, I think this, the staff would agree too. Um, when they engage with what we're doing, composting, you know, you could name a million things we'll talk about today. Um, you know, the level of professionalism and um, the level of sophistication um, you know, in public works in general in Franklin, but also statewide, you know, is really uh, an elite service that I think people um, don't usually take for granted, but we hear the complaints, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> snow and ice. And, yeah. But um, but really, when people dig a little deeper into the onion and they go see some of the facilities and they talk to some of the staff and they realize what level of depth and sophistication that we run our operations with, most people come away like pretty flabbergasted and impressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've taken people on towards like the water treatment facilities and stuff. People are like, whoa, yes. you know, the, the electronic boards, the way we mm -hmm. manage chemicals, how we deal with, you know, the level of education that our staff has to do all this work, mm -hmm. um, the level of experience that people have. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. So hopefully today's episode, we can kind of dig a little deeper into that. Um, there's no other project um, that's, and no other department that has that level of sophistication more than the water sewer department. We did a tour recently on the Charles River Water Pollution Control District, which is its own thing. Um, and, and Liz Taglieri, the executive director, is a, a magnet of incredible uh, leadership and energy to make people love yes. sewer districts. I mean, it's pretty hard not to like go over there and be like flabbergasted with how great Liz is and be like, I'm a big fan of sewer districts. Like it's pretty cool because it's it's amazing, you know, the level of um, you know sophistication that goes into it and how they deal with that. But um, you know, Doug, maybe you can give a little overview of what the water sewer superintendent does here, and then also we're going to talk about projects coming up for the year. Um, and there's no bigger project than the Beaver Street Interceptor, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, I've had conversations with Steve before. Um, I don't know if you want to give a shout out. Yeah, to the, the links will be in the well, show notes. Yeah. We did an hour and a half with thereabouts on the water from the pump through to the faucet. And then we did another 90 minutes or so yeah. on the suicide from the flush through to the Charles River. So that is, yeah. those episodes are available. I think you've got them posted on your page as yes, well. Yes, they're on our uh, on our water sewer division uh, right. page on right. the town website. So if people really want to go some deeper into the water and sewer, you can do that. It's a lot, the of, a lot of information. I'm intended. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, as Jamie alluded to, uh, obviously the Beaver Street Interceptor project has been in the in the works for what, 10, 10, 15 years. years. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, shovel uh, hit the ground. Finally, this uh, this year. Um, so they're moving along slower than they would had anticipated. They hit because a lot of rock, rock over on uh, Old West Central behind mm -hmm. Starbucks, uh, yeah. but they're making their way up the hill. Um, we got some detours that are going through Tri County. Um, and I think for the most part, it's been well received by the public. Mm -hmm. I think people are working around it. Um, coming up, um, possibly next week, um, we'll, we'll release info when we have it, but uh, we'll be in front of Tri County Drive, uh, which is going to create a, a larger sure. detour. Yeah. Um, and they're going to work, try to work through there as quick as they can. Uh, yeah. But we're anticipating about a week. Um, so if the public hasn't already, uh, we would love people to sign up. 
Uh, if you go to uh, franklinma.gov slash BSI, uh, we'll bring you to our Beaver Street Interceptor page. On there, you can see live updates of what's going on. We try to give you know good maps of detours, uh, as well as you can sign up for our, um, our newsletter. So whenever updates do come out, um, you'll be notified. Um, what do you think 2024 will look like overall for like, you know, before that it's project. a good year, you know, we achieve all the objectives. What, what, what can listeners expect for this calendar year of like, not just disruption and detours, which yeah. are important. People can go to the website for that, but you know, how far along will the project be? Where's the main construction going to be? Uh, main construction 2024 is going to be in 140. Um, yeah. Starting in April. Um, they're Rather gonna... visible. Right? Yes, that will be visible. Um, in front of like the Curry House area or up further? Yeah, so everywhere from Dunkin' Donuts, Old West Central, okay. uh, all the way down to Beaver Street. Okay. Yeah. Um, is kind of the, the limits. Yeah. Um, they'll be starting that in April. And to visualize them, they're on kind of the Dunkin' Donuts side? Generally on the Dunkin' Donuts side. Yeah. yeah. Um, and from what I understand, potentially going to take like one lane at a time to kind of dig underneath, or are they going to do a little more of that? Or yeah, so at, at most they'll only have one one lane closed down. Mm -hmm. uh, there might be days where both, but then you know they'll work with the right um, the police and, and create those uh, those detours. Um, so they'll see that uh, you'll see construction starting uh, soon at in front of the rec center. Um, we're going to have our, our new Beaver Street uh, pump station will be there right in front. Um, so you'll see uh, see construction going over there. It's a tight site. Um, so it'd be really cool to, for people to see they're going to be driving um, sheet piles um, and really excavating in a small area as they build, you know, work to uh, build up the, the foundation and, and wet wells and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll see stuff there. Uh, we'll have as part of that project, um, we'll have um, line company in. So similar, have people have seen last year and the year before. Uh, you see the smoke coming up and, right, right. and that kind of uh, activity. Uh, so that'll be kind of spaced out throughout throughout the current interceptor. Um, yeah, those are those are the big things that they'll yeah. see. Um, and then going into twenty five, we'll be you know finishing up the pump station. Um, you know, finishing up the last connections, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. At great. some point in time, you really still have kind of a kind of a proving of the new construction, and then the cutouts will be some yeah. time later. Yeah, right. yep, that's correct. Oh, and another thing too that people will start seeing is uh, they're going to be doing uh, jacking uh, under 140 and under railroad crossings. Mm -hmm. So you'll see bigger pits. Um, the biggest jacking area is going to be from Franklin Village Mall. Uh, across 140 over to Palm Street. Oh, that's, so that's how they're going to go. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're going to dig one pit on Franklin Village Mall, one pit over on Palm Street, and then just jack the pipe wow. across, across yeah. the Yeah. And the jacking... take good photos of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. so that in 109 years, people can look back at them and see how they, yeah. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Jacking, as I recall, uh, having been a commuter to Boston when they were doing the jacking for the tunnel underneath the trains going oh, into yeah. South Station. Effectively, they kind of froze the ground and then just kind of like push yeah. through. Yeah. Similar to that. Yeah, I don't think they'll have to freeze the ground. I mean, right. they did that there because, as we all know, Boston's just film. In that area. To the extent that they've run into delays because of the rock, that was one of the issues. Because I think you had 
effectively we're going to try to do jacking more, but because of the ledge situation in through the air, yes. it just so really initially we, we tried to look at all the work within 140 and that force main just be one big uh, horizontal directional drill, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, and it just didn't work out with the sub yeah. sub great stuff. So, right. Um, unfortunately, we gotta, we gotta dig it up, but um, I think it'll work out soon. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then it'll be safe for a hundred plus years in terms of water sewer flow going to. Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about before, I mean, that Beaver Street interceptor carries about 70% of our total sewage flow that ends up at the Charles River Pollution mm -hmm. Control District, where Liz takes it and treats it and yeah. does her thing. Yeah. <laughs> of finally getting to, we've talked in this session and others and town meetings as well in terms of the albatross, because if by chance, until it completes, Something were to go Dixie, break, et cetera. We're along the railroad, by Beaver Pond in the wetlands. Yeah. 40, I, 50 feet 50 underground feet at some point at Franklin Mall. Village. That is the section I am looking forward to getting rid of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be everything from, from Beaver Street to Franklin Village Mall. And there's a section that goes under 495. Right. Will all be officially abandoned, yeah. filled. Which is good for the wetlands, yeah. which is good for the train tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was an engineering marvel in 1909. It was great when it was put in. Yeah. Right. It was pictures. Yeah. yeah the pictures were amazing. Yeah. Um, Got our money's worth. Got our money's worth. But like, like you said, and we've talked about you know, uh, plenty of times, is if something were to happen in those locations, one, it's it's hard for us to get there, and two, it would be an environmental mess. Yes. Yeah. Mess, so. And just because people in town are going to be the money guy, you know, you know, nobody wants to raise sewer rates to pay for these projects. Um, no. But as Doug articulated, when you're talking about 70% of the sewer sewerage in town, um, I mean, that's a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we often cited Plymouth and some other communities that did have their sewer um, systems explode. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been in you know, regulatory proceedings and fines yeah. and mm -hmm. cleanup. And so the it's cost, especially in today's marketplace. to do that is much greater than yeah. what we're spending now. And I'm fearful, like, if that happened in one of those towns today, yeah. like, how much that would be, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. that, those incidents were, like, you know, 5, Five 10, 10 years. 15 years ago. Sure. Um, so, you know, it it it, uh, <laughs> it is a big relief. <laughs> Yes. to finally be getting to the point of what Doug was just talking about mm -hmm. in terms of like actually building a pipe underground and yeah. getting this thing going because it's one of those things that when you flush toilets, it's out of sight, out of mind. There's a whole psychology to it. You just take it for granted. You take it for granted. Right. Yeah. Um, look at the complaints we get on one day where the flushing goes on. We'll talk about hydrants too, you know, and little brown water comes out of the faucet. You know, people rightfully so go bananas, mm -hmm. right? And they get very worried and, and whatnot. Um, and that's why just really quickly before we go around the room, just Doug, just talk a little bit about the breadth of what water sewer superintendent covers. You cover a lot. Yeah. And I do think you're right. It's not like people aren't grateful, but they're so used to great quality drinking water and being able to flush whatever they want to need to down the toilet that if that wasn't there, <laughs> your team does a lot of work to make sure we're not in those positions. Yeah, I mean, on the sewer side, we're constantly going out and uh, inspecting existing sewer mains, manholes. Um, there's 23 lift stations that majority were built in the 80s, so we're constantly trying to upgrade that. And mm -hmm. you know, the council's been great through capital program to give us some money to start doing those things. 
programmatically gradually over time as yes. opposed to fixing them all at once. Yes, that's, exactly. That's what makes sense. We're going to do them yeah. over time. We've gotten some grants, um, uh, gap, gap energy grants from mm -hmm. the state. So all those things, you know, kind of go into the sewer, sewer side so that, you know, like Jamie said, so when someone flushes their toilet, mm -hmm. it goes away. And right. they, you know, well, and even on Beaver Street, if I recall correctly, have a, if I recall, it's a 0% uh, funding from the state through one of their programs. Not for uh, not for Beaver Street. Not uh, for Beaver Street. That's for uh, Well Seven PBS, which is going to That's why we have for, a clarification for Beaver Street. Uh, we did get because we are a housing choice community. We got one and a half percent. One and a half percent. Yeah, so it's of, still significantly yeah. reduced. And that half a percent of interest is a, a seven-digit savings. $6 million dollar project. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot. So for sewer ratepayers that are listening. You know, like, and if you're on private septic, we know how you feel about this. Nobody's going to, right? <laughs> Everybody's proud to be on their own ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But for the 70% of the public that's paying into this, if you didn't like the rate increases there, if we didn't do the SRF program, yeah. and we're in a housing choice community, those rates would have been higher. Absolutely. So it's just important to point out that, yeah. you, know, um, you know, we're not just increasing things all the time. We are doing a lot of work. Yeah behind the scenes to make sure that we do everything we can to save people money. Yep. So. Yeah, our goal is not to raise sewer. Right. <laughs> yeah. <we're... laughs> or if you have to, yeah. raise them the least the least, the least amount. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then on the on the water side, um, you know, it starts at the wells. Um, we have treatment uh, facilities, you know, two bigger ones. We've got Grove Street, which is phenomenal. It's been putting on really good mm -hmm. quality water. Uh, we have Fisher Street, which we're looking to upgrade. Right. Um, and then we got the other satellite well locations. Um, we spoke about Well 7, the PFAS. PFAS. Uh, so that's been offline for about a year and a half, almost two years now. Yeah. Um, but that project's finally going out to bid. Um, it's about six and a half million of 0% um, loans mm -hmm. for the SRF program. So, sure. Yeah. Also savings. Savings, yeah. You know, right. we're trying to, you know, I think we all have our opinions on PFAS, but and we're, we're why are you pointing at me? <laughs> <laughs> why are you pointing at me? <laughs> we all have you also have to wanted me to reiterate my <laughs> I thought we weren't supposed to talk about that in front of us. <laughs> I, I thought we were well, I mean I was gonna ask. I mean, I think here before we move on real quick, I think PFAS is coming up. I mean, I just for the public it's more knowledge of of um uh, not of what pfos is but um you know what is the actual problem in franklin with pfos so that people at least understand like is their water safe are they safe you know that type of thing because we shut down a well for this so i just want people to be feeling safe right that there's not some chemical out there yeah um even though 98 percent of americans have pfos in their body right now Including everyone at the table. Absolutely. Whenever what is the problem? When it rains, we're going to keep going. Right. <laughs> I mean, we can kill on. <laughs> uh, so really, it was really it was just well seven. So the state um, a number of years ago set a limit of twenty parts per trillion um, for the sum of six of the major PFAS compounds. Um, so well seven, uh, you know, went over that limit, and we immediately once we found got the results, we shut it down and said, hey, we got to do something about this. 
every other location has been under that 20. Right. Um, which is good. We're constantly testing. Uh, some locations get tested monthly, others are quarterly because they're, you know, their number's less. Right. Um, so that's all mandated through the state. Um, mm -hmm. and we're constantly trying to keep up with it. So it's actually an unfunded mandate by the state. Yes. It's yeah, state it's EPA. EPA. Yeah, federal and then state. Right. Yeah. yeah, and just to noteworthy for the public, uh, the state legislature or Congress still have not banned the use of PFAS. Right? Yes. So we're cleaning up a chemical <clears throat> that we can't actually get rid of because um, we haven't prohibited the use of it. Right. The reason why we haven't prohibited the use of it is because all of us are wearing it right now mm -hmm. on our fleeces. It's so prevalent. We're eating it every morning when Everything we have eggs or on makeup. Yeah. Um, so from a product perspective if those products went away mm -hmm. i think the public would likely be more outraged sure um, or upset that there was no makeup things stick can't have teflon coated pans i mean there's a lot out there right and we joke about it but i mean in other words the taxpayers in this town are going to be putting millions of dollars for this stuff yeah um you know water rate increases are going to be a part of the agenda this year they're on the goals and mm -hmm. the council's aware of it to pay for pfos remediation unfunded mandate by the state and federal governments. Um, and, and we're still waiting for the EPA to release their their final, final rule, right, uh, right. which is going to be more stringent than what the state currently has, right. and then which would likely put a couple of our other sources um, into that category of needing mm -hmm. uh, treatment. So, right. I mean, there's, there's money there. That's <laughs> and yeah. before we move to, to, to Derek real quick, I just want to give a shout out to Doug and, and Jake and all the, the troops down in the water sewer department, I just want everybody to remember that when we're sitting home safe oftentimes in a snowstorm or bad natural disaster, you know, we'll get to the highway too, but you know, his folks are out there when there's a sewer main break or a water main break. Mm -hmm. yeah. We consider these folks first responders as much as everybody else, oh, because yeah. if you can't yeah. flush the toilet or you can't use water, right, mm -hmm. that is a real public health emergency. Yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, just remind everybody, you know, when, when we're at home, so, um, so it sound like the, the folks down in the so or like everybody else in DPW out there, um, cold, sleet, rain, heat, yeah. sweat, climate change, you know, all this stuff are out there doing hard work. Yeah. So Our goal is to keep the water flowing and the toilets flushing. So Absolutely. Let's practice that line. Keep the flowing. And I uh, just want to shout out, too, to our hydrant painting program. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Folks will yeah. see that again. I think that's been a yeah. really good hit. It was um, like more 30, 30 or something? Yeah, about 30 each year, yeah. uh, which has been phenomenal. Yeah. So we're going to keep that going. It adds a little color. Yeah. Oh, they're awesome. We're yeah. constantly getting comments from uh, you know other municipalities that come yeah. through. They're like, oh, look at those hydrants. Yeah. yeah. So, Definitely. Uh, Some of them are really well done. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. really, really, Very really creative. phenomenal. Very, Very creative. creative. Yeah. yeah. Now the exhilarating other unfunded mandates, stormwater, Derek, everything, <laughs> but... Yeah, Derek's done a lot of innovative stuff. Uh, I know they'll speak to composting at the schools and a lot of other stuff. But um, what is stormwater, Derek? And what do you do all day? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, stormwater, the way that uh, we can view it in the most simple terms is any town-owned drainage infrastructure that's going to discharge into the environment. And um, I also view it as the first line of defense for our drinking water. Okay. Um, anything that lands on the roadway or is directed toward the roadway um, is directed toward a catch basin. You can think of a catch basin as just a soda can that's buried underground, oversized. Uh, the water goes on the top of the can, and if you took a straw and punched it into the side of that soda can, that's where you know the water will fill up and then discharge out that pipe, and then that goes into the environment somewhere. Yeah. 
And what we need to do is make sure we're treating the water as best we can, hopefully on multiple fronts, before it ultimately ends up in the last form of defense, which would be a detention basin. And then that either infiltrates into the ground or overflows into the environment. Mm -hmm. So simply put, we need to make sure that we're doing the best we can to keep the roads clean so that when the first flush of rain does come down and it goes into the catch basin, those contaminants aren't getting in in the first place. And then we also need to make sure our catch basins are cleaned so that when that water does get in the catch basin, it's not lifting them up and sending them out that pipe. And we need to make sure that detention basins are clear so that the water can infiltrate properly and the contaminants, if they reach that far, can be absorbed into the top layer of soil before mm -hmm. getting into the water table. Yeah, and two, we, yeah, we all care about contaminants, yeah. which is the nexus of this. Yeah. But I think a lot of people see it as drainage, right. which the whole team works on. But right. I think the average citizen, Steve, right, is seeing like, hey, there's a flood or puddles or, or whatever, right? And I think, you know, a lot of work Derek does is geared towards alleviating those big areas. And I, I will say, like, I drive around town a lot. I drive through many towns to get here. Um, and almost every other town I, I drive through, I have to avoid roadways because on those huge storms. And you're coming in at the right time, too, from a climate change perspective. Yeah because of those rainstorms, right? right? Because now we're seeing the deluge of water in a shorter duration of time, mm -hmm. which makes Derek's work, you know, really good job security because, <laughs> yeah. you know, keeping those basins clean, right? Is how we eventually try to prevent as much flooding as possible. Sure. Even this year, we've already seen a couple of those, yeah. those yeah. short duration, heavy rain. Yeah. With some snow melt in yeah, the mix too. So melt. the up and down of the temperature really creates mm -hmm. another added component to how much we're getting in the system. And the groundwater is so high already. And Derek, you brought up a good point though. Um, you know, a lot of what people see is, you know, the flooding or whatever, but Derek's right. Like all that stormwater, you know, goes into the ground. Yeah. We are fully groundwater uh, served community. Right. While we uh, talk water, we yeah. forgot to mention that key piece. We yeah. are totally a groundwater totally source. Groundwater, shallow gravel pack wells. We're the largest groundwater producer in the state of Massachusetts. So. Right. Uh, it, whatever we can do on that stormwater piece to really get you know better stormwater mm -hmm. going, going into the into ground. The ground. It's going to yeah. be better drinking water For coming us. out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Full circle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a, to touch on that too, it's a combination of actually getting the water back into the ground, treating getting into the ground, and not having it go out into the Charles River and downstream into Boston right. Harbor and not right. replenishing our groundwater. Keeping it in, frankly. Exactly. Yeah. It's all tied together. The other two kind of common topics, especially in the winter, is how come we're not using sand? Well, sand becomes a contaminant, and then you've got leaves, and leaves are the biggest phosphorus piece. So right. <laughs> those two other things are always part of the conversation. Right, but, and that's that's the big other component, too, is the MS4 permit that we have, which details a lot of things that we need to do to be good environmental stewards, much of which we already did even before I started. Right. Um, Removing phosphorus, we're on a very tight schedule, in my opinion, for the parameters that they set for us to hit and the targets they set for us to hit. We're doing everything we can to hit those targets. We have our five-year plan in place. Economically unfeasible to be able to hit those targets. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that we're doing anything wrong, in my opinion. We're actually doing much more than what some other communities do. We're set up for success. I agree with a lot of the things in the permit. There are some things, such as the timeline, the biggest thing, mm -hmm. which seems rather unreasonable. Right. Right? Expect a community to be able to spend $33 million in five years to do all of the work to hit that first five-year target mm -hmm. out of the next 15 years. Sure. 
um, even getting the contractors in to do the work oh yeah would be right a tall task in itself right. even to find to purchase new property to put new infrastructure to have more prosperous mobile that is all on the table for a lot maybe 50 years mm -hmm. but to yeah. condense that down into five what we have now with an overall 15-year plan is we're in good shape for what we're doing i think we're in an exceptional shape but yeah. with that timeline it did we will see what comes out with the next permit, which is coming out. It was due last year, but they did not release it yet. Right. We'll see what happens with that. There should be some new changes in it. Um, I've heard talks of a clean sweep memo, which means we'll get greater credit for phosphorus removal for sweeping the streets more frequently. And they will base the phosphorus removal off of a catch basin cleaning, not just on the number of catch basins you cleaned, but on the weight. So once we remove the material from the catch basins, we put it in a stockyard. We have a company remove it and bring it to an approved facility. Obviously, that gets weighed in the process. Mm -hmm. The phosphorus removal will be based off of that weight instead of just the number of catch basins you've made it down. So that should hopefully be very favorable for us achieving the target that they set forth for us. Right. Which is why we took them to court. Right. <laughs> to exactly. alleviate some of those things on the timeline because when they first came out, it was like, no way, no exactly. way, no way. Yes. <laughs> and Franklin and Newton in particular are two of the, the communities in the Charles River watershed that have the highest threshold for phosphorus removal, which are right. based off of levels that were taken in 2008. Yeah. So we want to make sure that the science that we received from the EPA and what they assume to be accurate is accurate. We are constantly or annually updating land use data and seeing what we have for expected phosphorus loads being discharged. Mm -hmm. So everything is being constantly monitored and where the situation is developing. I think we're in a really good spot. We certainly hit the bare minimum on everything. I think a lot of stuff we're going above and beyond for. Yeah. So the yeah. basics are street sweeping, catch basin cleaning, <laughs> making sure our detention basin is built, putting in new rain gardens when we can, um, storm scepters, things like that, mm -hmm. to make sure that there's multiple layers of treatment before anything gets dis discharged into the environment or into the groundwater. And then on the build side and or fee mitigation side, you've got the uh, credit process for residents and businesses and or abatement process for those so that yes. as they're building, they can do that kind of retention, capture, mitigation, and even a resident like myself, as an example, mm -hmm. a rain barrel gives you some credit. So yes, those, and, those programs are available in the second year of that is coming, I believe. Yep. So the credit season is going to be open in, in April. Um, for So if you have a rain barrel or any other of the eligible credit, um, which is listed on the stormwater website, you can look, we have a whole manual up there. There's five or six items that if you have something on your property, such as a rain barrel, dry well, vegetative swale, you can apply for a credit, we'll come out, we'll check out, see if it's there. If it's there, we'll award you credit, and then it's either 25 or 50% off of your stormwater utility fee. There's two components. One is stormwater storage, one is stormwater treatment. So you can get a max of 50%, but you need to have one for each category. Sure. Because we want to promote infiltration, which would be stormwater storage, mm -hmm. and uh, treatment before it gets discharged. Right, the retention within Franklin that you talked exactly. about. Exactly, right. And then there's also one for businesses. So any um, parcel that has over five billable units based on a thousand square feet, so that would be over 5,000 square feet, that's a slightly separate component because you're going to have more like the Coltec systems um, and more industrial grade mm -hmm. forms of treatment, which are also eligible. Right. And they, if I recall, they only have like a five-year application piece. So every five years right. they have to update because realistically a, a citizen may just not put the rain barrel out one year. Well, mm -hmm. that's, you still need to check, but business, once that system's in, you know, there's some maintenance pieces to it, but right. yeah, it's not really going to change. Once you bury some infrastructure in the ground and it's been approved by, you know, the planning commission and everything, that we know that that's going to be. 
right, right. an expected period of time sure. and functioning properly. So mm -hmm. that is on a five-year schedule. Good. And then that's not all he does. Oh, no. Of course not. He's got, he also does recycling <laughs> and composting. And of course, I'm a big composter. Yeah. We should talk about climate change before we get on about methane, mm -hmm. which is actually worse than some of the other contaminants that go right. into the atmosphere. Yeah. It doesn't get a lot of press because it's largely driven from cows, uh, but uh, from agriculture. But, um, you know, Cute cows. Cute, very cute cows. <laughs> yeah. Love cows, so we don't want to make them the bad guy no, the methane no. problem. But we have found other ways other than um, getting rid of cows right. to recycle and, and uh, compost properly. Maybe just give a quick overview on that. Sure. So I also oversee the trash and recycling program. Uh, we have approximately 10,000 households that are part of the program. Everyone is required to have a recycle cart. Uh, everything we do for the program is not strictly geared toward it, but it's in conjunction with the way that we can get a grant from the state. Right. to give us more money. They they incentivize you doing certain things for your program. And if you, it's based on a point system and how many points you get equals real dollars that the town will get. Mm -hmm. um, so we have trash. We we enforce every trash cart has to be accompanied by a recycle cart. Uh, businesses are excluded. We don't do trash and recycling for businesses. We do offer a recycle cart mm -hmm. to incentivize for usually the smaller businesses do it. Some medium-sized businesses do take advantage of it. Um, we also do the municipal buildings in town, and then we have the recycle center as well. So there's a, a lot to go into all of that. Um, we have a buy recycle policy within the town of Franklin, where you know uh, the Chris Sandini uh, uh, sends out a memo annually to ensure mm -hmm. that the department heads know that in whenever it's feasible, they should gravitate toward. Um, buying sustainable products. Sure. That's another thing that allows us to get credit for our sustainable material recovery program grant. Um, we have an enforcement program where if recycling is contaminated as waste management is going to pick it up, they will leave it at the curb. They will get a letter in the mail indicating as such. Um, and then once they remove that uh, contamination, we will pick it up the next time. But that's a really good educational piece where um, it's an easy way to let the resident know what is and what is not. And they're not going to be fined for the first time or even the second time usually. Right. Yeah. If we get uh, a, re a repeat offender. What's the like most common thing that you see? That's plastic bags. Plastic, plastic bags. Yeah. 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 Plastic bags or, or sometimes clothing too. So there are additionally waistbands that we have. Correct. That you, things you eat, like, uh, it's rather obvious you couldn't put a television in the trash. Right. We also can't put textiles. That's one right. of the things in the trash. But the recycling center on Viva Street has opportunity via that, or there are other certainly third-party options. Yeah. We just want, to, or from my perspective, I want to make sure it gets recycled, whether they want to bring it to the recycle center. We also have a bin at uh, DPW that accepts it, but there's also other bins around town where, fair enough, if you're yeah. going to recycle it, we, we it's our, it's my job to make sure that it's reduced in the in the waste stream. Yeah, not in the curb. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a finance guy here. Like that saves money. Like for you as a consumer, not throwing all that stuff into the waste stream <laughs> reduces our tonnage. Right. Which reduces waste management's contract increases. Mm -hmm. So when people see a trash or recycling fee increase, this should make people think twice about what are they throwing away right there? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. just like think about what you're doing. And Hey, we all have moments where, look, we just got to throw something out, right? right. Like, you know, the the, the 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 jar in the refrigerator is not worth cleaning out or mm -hmm. whatever, or the shirt cleaned up something, you just got to throw it out. Like, we get that, like, it's not 100%. We're not asking, we're, we manage expectations well for people. But there's an economic piece to that, right? right. 
yeah. on both sides too. So there, that I'm not going to take this over the top, but there is yeah. if you if you have a piece of recycling, the saying with that, if you wonder if it's contaminated or not, the saying is when in doubt, throw it out. Right. Because with recycling, that's a commodity based market, and sure. we did recently have an audit where they took three truckloads of Franklin's recycling in bulk, mm -hmm. spread it all out, went through it, um, and the threshold was 10%. Where if you're above 10% contamination you'll have, you'll receive the higher rate for right. recycling tipping. Sure. And we were below that rate, which is really good news. That is really good. Uh, so we had one three years ago and just uh, two months just ago recent. as well. Yeah. So yeah. everyone in Franklin is doing a really good job. It just proves that, you know, the, the system that we have in place of sending out letters, doing the enforcement um, is all working toward what we're actually trying to yeah. achieve. So, yeah. Definitely. And, uh, Put it where it needs to go rather than on the curb. Exactly. And yeah. we're still trying to get to the point where we can build a new recycling center up on Beaver Street. Mm -hmm. It's still in the sight lines. Mm -hmm. so the interim, we haven't, and there'll be a composting element to all that, which sure. we're really excited about. Mm -hmm. But the schools, we've started composting. Right? right. So there is a composting program in all of the schools. So what we wanted to do, uh, Mike D'Angelo, myself, Kevin Harn, um, is take a proactive approach because, like we were speaking to the waistbands, Mattresses are another one. We'll yep. leave that off to the side for now. But <laughs> twice they've decreased the threshold for an entity in bulk. If you generate X amount of compost, food scraps, you are unable to put that in the waste stream. Yep. We do not reach that threshold at any of the schools, but we wanted to be proactive. We sure. want to do the right thing, first of all, yeah. uh, for the community and for the environment. We also wanted to get ahead of it. To see, uh, I worked with one vendor. We did a really small pilot program two years ago just at Farm Inter School. Turned out the vendor wasn't the best fit, so we went with a different vendor, mm -hmm. and we worked well with them, and they worked well with us, so we expanded it one by one every two months last calendar year, uh, school year, to each school. And now mm -hmm. every school is up. Um, essentially, what we have is uh, a station for each lunchroom where there's a trash bin, as per usual, and then there's a recycle bin and then there's the compost bin. So um, it actually goes in reverse order where you put your compost in first and then you take anything that could be recycled right in the recycle bin. Mm -hmm. And then we have some things are, are like a cellophane wrapper that's gonna be trash. Right. Um, we also try to save space because the compostable trays that we have are, uh, we have trays that are compostable. Mm -hmm. So instead of just throwing them all willy nilly in the bins, we stack them all off to the side. And then at the end we can, if they're all clean, you can actually put those in the recycling because recycling gets a slightly better rate than mm -hmm. compost. Sure. Or if they have too much ketchup or something on it, yeah. they're going right in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, that's in every school, and uh, we're looking to expand it even further. So and like James and the kids said, have fun. The kids did have. It's, it's yeah. part of the game, part of the routine now. So. Right. It's it's. Uh, I was at each of the schools along with everybody else who I already mentioned for that rollout. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, no difference. And it was more like, this is just what we're going to do. It was yeah. like a, a no brainer, if you will. You know, yeah. everybody was on board with it and very simple. Yeah. Haven't gotten any um, negative feedback from AgriCycle, who we use as the, uh, the vendor for mm -hmm. our composting. And um, ultimately, that does go up to a facility in Maine. And they, they take that and put it in an anaerobic digester and use it as energy. So, um, of course, longer term, it'd be nice to bring that scale down smaller if mm -hmm. some of those anaerobic digesters are in Massachusetts, which I know they are. Mm -hmm. um, but we work very closely with AgriCycle to see where the direction of the program is going forward because, yeah. you know, there's there's options to uh, alleviate some of the cost. Mm -hmm. If we can have a staging facility in town or if they can park a truck on our property or something yeah, like right. that. So um, there's lots of opportunities and there's not many communities there are a lot of communities who are starting their composting program. There's not too, too many. Right. So 
it's a really good spot to see where we are, where can we go, and how can we maximize possibly a private-public partnership mm -hmm. to reduce the cost to the residents of Franklin so that we can increase the service for everyone. Yes, and I think from a change management perspective, I did a lot of that in the corporate role. You reference, and I'll put it in different words, but if you make it easy, even for the kids, okay, take the waste here and then this here and then that, there, then people can do it. Exactly. And the communications obviously help that. So mm -hmm. that's that's the key. Yeah. yeah. Started me on. Yep. I mean, it, it really is a, a part of that. Just like when 40 years ago, when I was growing up, maybe a couple others too, when recycling started, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had to go to mom and dad and say, hey, can we have two barrels instead of one? And mom and dad looking at me going, what are you talking? I'm like, what are you doing? And now you're, you know, you look later on in life and you're like, geez, I'm like a habitual recycler, right? Yeah. Like I pay attention to it and compost, you know, and so I think that they can have uh, a third barrel with a compost. Piece. Yeah. And if people Google it uh, before we move on, like if people Google, there was an NBC 10 story last year or the year before. Mm -hmm. People should Google it um, just out of the fun to see kids doing slam dunks with milk into the composting like they're actually enjoying the kind of fun yeah. of the process that Derek did right? right and that's what you really ultimately want to see is you know kids kind of at least some sort of how embracing it and having fun mm -hmm. which, which was really a, a very very uplifting and really great story of folks out there who were really quick and it, and it really only took a couple of minutes of right. and the kids put it out to yes. see ways that we could already improve <laughs> the right. yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> observation we uh thanks derek for all you do You're and welcome. all the team too and his, his staff is growing because of stormwater but uh, they do a great job as well and yeah. as you can see you know we're, we're pretty far ahead of the curve and yeah. it's a large part to do derek's leadership we should have done kate last because Actually, all roads lead to GIS. Dad, all these folks here work so well together. Is that a song? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You get kind of the game. Should but I, I'm, that might but be I'm, coming up later. <laughs> but is the guy who is the geography major in college and like loves maps. Um, luckily, that's probably what bonded me and my predecessor too. Um, you know, all these folks do an amazing job working together on everything, but it kind of all. A little bit of joking aside, like everybody needs Kate. Um, and I see everybody's heads bobbing, you know, everyone needs Kate um, and Natalie too, but you know, in the GIS department. But, um, you know, Kate, why don't you just give a little uh, overview? You've been here, you're one of the most veteran members of the staff 11 years, and 11 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I go to other towns' websites and when I go, I spend an hour, half hour a day geeking out on maps online mm -hmm. and access GIS, uh, looking at properties and access easements and mm -hmm. parks and sure. connection points and land use, because that's my background. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, obviously I have a special place in my heart for GIS and Kate, but uh, maybe just talk about what you've done over the last 10 years and where can people go to like enjoy all the amazing stuff you have? We have it on the front page of the website, but like, you know, it's an end, truly an endless labyrinth. It is. Labyrinths. Yes. Cavernous, endless amounts of cool information. Yes. I mean, the foundation of GIS is data, right? Where yeah. things are in space. Um, what they are and where they are. Yes. The marrying of the two. Exactly. And there's basically two pieces of the GS department. There's the data, which is the foundation. And then there's, well, how do you use that data and how do you view that data? Because I can say, well, there's, you know, 5,763 town-owned catch basins in town, but that doesn't mean anything if you don't know where they are 
Even the town council has to approve stop signs. So there's over what two thousand stop signs. There's many, many, many stop signs. Um, so, but, the, but that means nothing, right? If you don't have any kind of product to look at to see right. what that is and right. where that might fall. So, um, Natalie is a member of our department, and she is phenomenal at creating products. Mm -hmm. Like she creates story maps web maps, web applications, um, that's kind of her forte. She's great at visualizing data and where it is and how it's easily consumable for the general public. Yeah. Um, the GS department's website has a link to our ArcGIS Online account, which is really our hub of mm -hmm. everything that's there, which can be accessed by anybody. Mm -hmm. um, a member of the town, someone from MassGIS, someone from California, someone yeah. from Egypt, I mean, anyone in the world can access a lot of our stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's what GS like people like to do is make sure that their data is available to everyone. Right. Um, so on any given day, I could be you know creating a map for Carlos on where the crosswalks are in town, right? So that he can do some line painting. Or Mike, we've accepted a new road and we have to submit it to the state so we can get it to be part of our Chapter ninety funding. Um, Derek is a massive client of the GIS department. <laughs> <laughs> he finds all sorts of holes in the data. Um, and our impervious area layer, which is basically our land use layer, um, is constantly changing. And our whole stormwater utility is based off of that layer. So sure. my time is spent in that realm. Every single day I'm, I'm yeah. touching something yeah. um, impervious area related. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we always get excited when uh, we're actually out there. We find something that's not on the map. Oh, like, I get so excited. Yeah, like, get um, on the map. And it's like, oh, my God, where did this come from? It's yeah. not on the map. And we're automatically like, let's get it. Right, give it exactly. to <laughs> I love finding so, new data. Yeah. Sometimes I think people get frustrated. They're like, oh, man, there's another piece of infrastructure we have to monitor. I'm like, oh, there's another piece of infrastructure we have to monitor. <laughs> um, actually, Tony and I might have found one yesterday. Oh, that right. we looked, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know, scenario. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about data. It's like a living being. Like it's always Absolutely. growing. It's it's always changing. And I mean, you always have to start from somewhere. And Franklin is actually a really re very very unique community in the sense that they've had a GIS department yeah. since the nineties. Right. Which there are some communities that still don't even have GIS. Yeah. Yeah. So, but when you build something from the nineties, I mean, you're getting things from so many different sources. They can come from as builds. They can come from an inspector in the field. They can come from just plans that. Maybe we never got an ads built. Um, and so you have things that people think might have been there and it was digitized, but then you find out actually this gate valve's not really there. It's mm -hmm. over here. Mm -hmm. um, or pieces of drainage infrastructure that were put in because there was an issue during construction, but it never got captured. And right. then you find it when it stops functioning. Um, <laughs> Dave Allard retires. Exactly. Exactly. We lose institutional knowledge. I know. Um, so things are always changing and evolving. And that's my job is to make sure that that stuff is captured and right. yeah. put into the database. The industry has another piece as that construction is going. That's giving you a new feed line of additional data exactly. as well as updates. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and Kate's now in 11 years and Natalie and, and before that Danica, you know, been able to build a whole new foundation of systems of communication, not just within these teams here, but also oh. the board of assessors. Right. Also, health department, health department, department. building department, right. building department, like board of health. If I recall, planning. this is my reporting in the board of health meetings. They've had what four or five, and they're yes. more coming. Yes. All story maps. Natalie is constantly changing. The health department loves to have as much information out there right. as possible. Um, County based, state based, um, mm -hmm. and that's that's what we do. Is we're constantly yeah. 
I just Thank discovered you. another one on the town clerk page yesterday. It was like, where did this come from? For voting, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're constantly making products because there's so many ways to deliver information. And everyone's a different learner, right? You can be a visual learner. You can be an auditory learner. Um, and so you want to have products for everyone to right. consume information. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and, and I think we all know it. I mean, certainly people, Kate's right, people learn differently. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't a big reader. Um, a lot of people, I think, are reading less, which is another problem. But when you see people's reactions to visuals right. and right. maps, you know, people just engage at a different, mm -hmm. at a completely different level. And we've seen that with a lot of public information charades. Sure. Yeah. Um, if people go online, the XSGS site, like Kate's even, we don't have the time to go through it all. But, you know, all the permits are by parcel. You can look up any parcel. You can see the history of it, the property card, mm -hmm. the appraised value from the assessors. You can see the wetlands. You can see the drainage. You can see the floodplains. You mm -hmm. can see what zones you're in. You can okay. see the zoning. Yeah. I mean, we don't have enough time to list all no. the data layers yeah. that you have. Yeah. But like, it's kind of like when I went to Yosemite National Park's gift shop, and they told me, if it's not here, it will never exist. And it's the same thing, like with Kate, like if, like I cannot imagine like a data layer that doesn't exist, that can't answer someone's question. People call us all the time, and maybe you know I don't know what the URL is, but just as a cheap plug, like go to their web, go to her website. Like chances are, that's a very high percentage play that you're going to be able to dig and be able to find and probably become more curious about a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the fun thing right. about map products, right? right? You can go into a map and you can get kind of lost in the map. Like you zoom into your property and you're like, ooh, but what's over here? Wait, what is that little like water body? Where does that go? Oh, that feeds it. And you just kind of, it's it's a little snowball effect, right? Like right. you just keep going and you keep exploring and you keep clicking. You can't get that from a paper map. You like can't you get just right. can't. <laughs> you know, so, and there's links to all sorts of other, other pieces that yeah. all work together. It's, it's a never-ending stream of I think the greatest thing that I use a lot is the links to like the Norfolk County Registry of Deeds. Sure. So like you'll have yeah. links directly to that person's deed or right. a maybe yeah. a plan and then the you can really snowball from there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, people think of the internet as being all kinds of stuff, but that's one of the key purposes of to try to put all that paper. You'd have, you know, encyclopedia, you like story stories high. Whereas now you got a link and you can go as far as you want. Right. Or yep. back up. Yep. It depends. Yep. And it, I mean, even as a resident, if you want to look at your property card and you're like, you know what, how do I have a, do I have to renew my dog license? You can literally click on a link that brings you to all your permits that are associated with your parcel. Right. And you can look at everything that you've got. If you have to renew your rain barrel stormwater credit, mm -hmm. nice look and see. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Slipped and Save money. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Any yeah. way to save money. Um, so yeah. there's, there's just pieces that are all linked together and mapping is the basis of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just real quick too is, the work that the GIS department has done since the 90s and through now, like all that data, uh, we're actually, our guys are using it in the field um, with our work order management system or just to look up, hey, where is this? Well, and um, you're updating me recently even on the, the lead connectors yep. in, mm -hmm. for those few that still exist. You're yep. updating that in there as through well. GIS, yeah. Yep. So all that data, it's just been phenomenal. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really something else. And, you know, I it just, I think if folks are out there interested in what they're hearing, like go to the division website. Um, and it's actually fun to get lost. Um, it's actually somewhat therapeutic. I agree. <laughs> uh, 
Don't you think? Like it really is. Like yeah. coffee. Them. Yeah. Like you. Like <laughs> yeah. Kate just illustrated best. Like, oh wait a minute. I didn't realize there was a water body there. And then it shows like a line of a stream. Like where's that? I think I'm gonna go out and look. Right. And then you just end up realizing there's so much other information that you had no idea about that it's actually before you know it, you're 50 minutes into being lost a little. And it's actually like takes your mind off of all the other nonsense going on in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is like very therapeutic, but that's selfish for me because I love this stuff and I've loved it my whole life. And this, I was Brett, you know, when she says the 90s software, like I was outdated with my training in mm -hmm. GIS, like immediately when I graduated college, right? And it's really enthralling to see where it's all going. I mean, the skill set that she has is way beyond anything I could ever do. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, I obviously love geography, I love maps, I love space and stuff like that. So it's like nice to kind of lose yourself for a little while. Yeah. Um, sometimes I even, when I'm in my computer at work here, I have to like remind myself that there's other appointments. It's a good thing Google's calendar <laughs> pops up and now it's like, oh, Jamie, don't go for it. You know, like, because I could just like completely zone out and forget where I am. Oh, yeah. It's just so much fun. Everybody yeah. can get lost in a link anyway. Yeah. But, you know, to the extent that I'm a wordsmith and words matter, right. I do tell a story that picture right you know it's, it's so many words, words. yeah mm -hmm. probably a million yeah. yeah and this is why she's inherited by the way the name kate the great <laughs> <Kate laughs> yeah. so thank you kate for all you and natalie do and it's great to have you here yes jay fleet you're the newest member you're newest member you know you're kind of still feeling out your job a little but it's busy um, but <laughs> got a little uh, action yesterday at the capital meeting but you're here to really kind of coordinate i thought yesterday um, one of the stories that um, was brought up that I thought was really important at the Capitol meeting was coordinating what trucks are being bought. And when someone asked you, what, you, what are we buying? And you said a Ford F-150. And the reason why was is because other trucks in the other department are Ford F-150s. And from a maintenance perspective, that allows you to have the right tires, oil change mm -hmm. gear, whatever else you need in stock. <clears throat> And that's like exactly the story that is the efficiencies that are brought with somebody like you trying to coordinate. Minimizing cost management. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Space, space, right? Space. And space. Yeah. Cost. And parts take space. Parts, order. You know, there's a lot of dynamics here. Yeah. That Vendors, availability. Vendors, availability. Can you just yeah. talk a little bit about all that stuff? Yeah. So uh, we have 211 pieces of registered equipment within the town. Um, we have three technicians working on the floor to take care of those 211 pieces of registered equipment, 80 pieces of unregistered equipment. Uh, we work on anything from a weed whacker to a front end loader and everything in between. Um, 16 school bus vans for um, needs of the school department. Sure. We have inspectional services, engineering, highway grounds, water, sewer, treatment plant, engineering, uh, police, fire. There's a lot of vehicles, there's a lot of moving parts. And I try to tell people our technicians are the behind the scenes heroes because when the blue lights are going down the street, people feel safe about the police responding mm -hmm. to something. And the red lights are going and somebody's getting taken care of in an emergency situation. The amber lights are going and the plows are working and we're getting roads fixed. But none of the vehicles and none of the equipment that perform the tasks for every residence go without our technicians sure. maintaining them and keeping them yeah. going. So it is it is that, and we try to, uh, we're reducing our footprint uh, as much as we can with, with uh, electric vehicles and trying to get into hybrids. But to the point of the vehicles, um, we do. We try to maintain a like fleet so we can stock tires, brake pads, um, oils, and 
We only have so much room in a small DPW to <laughs> handle all of these different, because again, from a weed whacker to a front end loader and everything in between, there's a lot of different filters, brake pads, tires. Sure. Um, and with those, you end up with obsolescence and inventory and whether a, a vehicle or a piece of equipment is lo no longer with us, can we use that part, um, be it modified or otherwise, to, to fix another vehicle to save money? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a nonstop was that a hint to the town administrator that we may need a, a another building maybe after the police station down the road? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's, well, I just said, you know, we do this with five five bays, uh, two of which carry um, upright lifts, and we also have three flat stalls with uh, we have portable lifts that are capable of picking up um, even our largest. Um, we have our Vacta truck with the I was going to say, that's, that's probably going to be the biggest one side. That and our ladder. So we pick the up ladder, the police, yeah. I mean, the fire department's larger trucks. Right. Um, but those lifts are, they're used by the military. We use them at the yeah. DPW level. Mm -hmm. And it gives the ability to have a lift anywhere we need it inside the building. Not very often outside the building, but in emergency situations, we can. Sure. Uh, yeah, we, um, we added the position a year ago. Um, and I think Jay's numbers speak to it. 211 pieces of vehicle apparatus, 80 unregistered weed whackers, mowers, trailers, um, the visual signs that people see up about mm -hmm. slow down yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever, you know, the, I mean, anything um, is managed by four people. And because um, of the position as well, we're moving this year in the budget, um, the last, the last uh, department to kind of shift their operations, um, the fire department, which is all unique. Right. Sure. Um, and we have an agreement with the town of Foxborough and a very, very good rate for the special, special, specialized work. But some of their stuff uh, is actually specialized. Yes. Very, very specialized. Yeah. Um, but we're moving that over for Jay to coordinate. Um, and, you know, I think it shows, again, a lot of the faith that the fire department has in these down there to be able to do all that stuff. So, And that's another option for us to try to save money for the cost to do business right. um, to the residents is, you know, sublet repairs are repairs that have to be put outside of our facility, which we track very closely so we can maintain whether or not it's something we can keep in-house right. and we can perform repairs in a safe, efficient yeah. manner. Um, or is it something that we have to sublet out that may be cheaper because we're not chasing and replacing parts that might not need to be done. So we rely heavily on uh, on resources that we if have. If it's a one-off thing, it maybe not mm -hmm. make sense, but if it's going to happen on a regular basis, maybe it makes sense. Yeah. To do right. And that's what we track. We track, there's a, to, to Kate's point of tracking data, I track data nonstop every day. Mm -hmm. um, if we have a common part, um, I have 20 years experience at dealerships and you learn a lot with fixed operations yep. on, on um, things that continue to happen, you stock apart. Yep. Right. Uh, things that don't continue to happen, maybe you don't stock apart. Sure. Or if you're starting to use it less, we have a new computer system that we use to write repair orders, bill out parts, uh, maintain technician efficiencies, and it gives us a lot of insight on how to do business better. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Jay's position is reasonably new, but he's been on the team for a bunch of years anyways, and we've got a great group of mechanics. In fact, James Plug, I think at some point there may be an opening at certain. So if anyone out there is listening. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a done. great place to go if you want to be, quote, busy and yet not over busy. Well, we have, and, and when you look at uh, the other thing, the other piece that we have, too, is when, when you look at um, mechanics or technicians or if you go to a dealership, they're working on the same products. If right. you go to a 
an equipment facility, they're working on the same equipment. If you go to a private garage, maybe they're working on a bunch of different cars. Yeah, but in a DPW, these guys are hydraulics, diesel, gas, electric. I mean, we've we, we solar panel stuff with yeah. engines, small engines. Small engines. You know, there's there's so much to the pie, and uh, there's 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 a lot of training involved, and uh, there's a lot of uh, not a lot of vector trucks at dealerships. <laughs> not a lot. Of, and, and you know, when when somebody goes to the dealership, if you had a check engine light, you went to your dealership, they're probably going to tell you, "Well, we're booking two weeks out. Right. Would you like to make an appointment?" Sure. And at the DPW, we don't have that luxury. When right. we have any department that comes down, they are taken care of on the spot right away. Right. And so we don't have vehicles sitting around waiting for repairs. The worst thing we have is maybe the availability of parts, which is a huge challenge for us. Um, just to, from a repair standpoint, is, is the availability of parts and what can we do? So a lot of times, if we have the ability, our technicians will fabricate, um, you know, metal brackets, parts to be able to keep things moving mm -hmm. um, in, in a safe manner. And so this it's a ever changing. Um, tap the creativity there in terms of the fabrication. I mean, right. you, not everybody can do that. But not everybody. You, you can. Need we some. have vehicles that are older that you can't get the parts anymore. Yeah. They're discontinued, and that's you know a lot of times with the APWA and even the the federal government, they have their standpoints of when vehicles get replaced. We we keep vehicles much longer than those standards, and we're able to do that because of our staff and our ability to fabricate parts right. that may be unavailable anymore. And then at some point in time. Funding still is required to replace that because you've done what you can do. You've made and it no longer makes sense. The cost to cost versus replacement. Right. Um, there's there's equations to do that. You know how much money are we spending every year on this right. one piece of equipment that just is far exceeding its value. Sure. Um, and and we have we have the public safety at the end. I mean roads, police and fire can't get to residents' houses without the vehicle. So we have mm -hmm. to make sure that they're there and they're functioning in a safe manner as well. So yeah. And I just wanted to piggyback on that. Like yesterday, the capital. You know, when we're requesting vehicles, that truck was 24 years old. Right. You know, so, you know, when Jay's talking about trying to find parts for these vehicles, I mean, and, and the guy's doing a great job on maintaining these vehicles. Sure. Uh, you know, when we're going to capital for requests, yeah. you know, these are 18, 24-year-old trucks that we've right. done a really, you know, good job of maintaining them. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the underappreciated, from my perspective, Chloe, I'm trying to share your stories, share the meetings, what's mm -hmm. happening, and those kinds of details. But... Unless somebody really catches that, wait, wait a minute, 24 years and we're finally replacing it. Yeah. Right. And think about how many miles of road that 24 year old truck plowed and right. how many times it went out to repair something or haul sure. material. Just those salt alone. I mean, it's, yeah. there's, there's so much to a story mm -hmm. of a vehicle and what it's right. done for, right. for a time. And then the other thing that comes up, it's not so much vehicle mileage, but unlike police and fire, it's, it's hours. The hours of use yeah. because it can be the policeman officer just sitting what watching before actually going out well right. the engine's still running yeah fire so department at a, at a scene where they made the emergency vehicle maybe there maybe not an apparatus that's being used to put the fire up but the lights have to be on that's idling for hours yeah. mm -hmm. you know we have this idle hours or it's a real thing and the police and fire thing. and the police and fire obviously are critical everyone knows about them sure. but i'll tell you if there's a sewer backup at your street or on your house the Vector truck is better than the ambulance, right? Like, because <laughs> yes, that's what you want to. You know, like, <laughs> we wouldn't have an FIP, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's you know, if you have a child, you know, uh, with special needs, and you're dealing with a 13 year old special special uh, you know, sped van, yeah. Like you, you know, you want hopefully a better van that's actually more productive and that's more comfortable and all right. that stuff. And you yeah. guys down there actually work on all those school bus. 
Correct. School buses as well. Like we do yeah. all of that in house. Right. And we have 15 school buses and and one food services van. Right. And the right. things that we run into too is a lot a lot mm -hmm. with um with rust. You yeah. know, it's sure. uh, the the yeah. state mandates we have to use salt and not sand. And the state also mandates you have to have a state inspection sticker, and you can't have rot through. Right. So right. that those those carry a lot of challenges for mm -hmm. us to we become body work people yeah. just to be able to keep the the vehicle safe and keep it on the road and worthy of the state inspection mm -hmm. process and. But to your point, at some point, it rusts so much you can't weld to rust, you can't fabricate to rust, and things metal metal's natural state is 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 powder, and that's right. where it wants to go back to. It's yeah. it's uh, so, rust to dust, <laughs> and the salt yeah, and the salt certainly will help it get there. So yes, uh, rust never sleeps. No, great <laughs> drop. Yeah. <laughs> that might be on the list later on. <laughs> nice job. Yeah. Uh, thanks for everything, Jay. Yes, sir. Speaking Thank about you. keeping things on the roads. Um, Mike, at one point, you were the only engineer here, um, and I can't imagine that being the case. Now you've got three uh, with yourself and Brooke and Eli, yeah. which has been wonderful. Maybe just talk really quickly um, about, you know, I think engineering is pretty self-explanatory, pretty self but I know you also have a list of projects which kind of bleeds into Carlos and Tony as well. Sure. Let me touch on um, one of the main things we do is um, just uh, managing the, the capital program for DBW. Mm -hmm. All the major construction projects we have, um, except for obviously the Beaver Street and stuff that we talked about earlier. <laughs> Doug's handled on that one, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, beyond that, we got a couple of uh, projects already planned for this, uh, this, this construction season. Uh, first off, we'll uh, start. We'll pick up where we left off with the Grove Street project with the multi-use bike path. We started um, the first phase. We built the traffic signal at um, Washington and Grove into the first uh, segment of the bike tra uh, bike trail there. Mm -hmm. um, this last year, we started uh, had some time at the end of the season to get some of the drainage work done for that next phase. We started that. We'll be picking up where we left off. Um, actually, in probably about a month and a half or so. Yeah. I mean, we're in, yeah. towards the end of February. Springtime construction season construction right around the corner. Around quick. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll stop back up on Grove Street with that work. And then we have um, last year we replaced a um, water line in the Janie Ave neighborhood off of um, Oak Street Extension. Mm -hmm. We'll be replacing the roadways, uh, reconstructing them this year. We already uh, opened bids and have a contract lined up for that. And we also um, opened bids for the Country Club neighborhood, which we did the water line two years ago. Okay. Um, we were able to move that water line work ahead because we had some uh, additional opera funding that we were able to get that done. But this year we'll get into doing the uh, road work down in that neighborhood um it's going to include some work on jordan road um including mm -hmm. some drainage improvements that have been uh, long needed out there mm -hmm. so that'll okay. be incorporated into yeah. that work too so those two projects will be starting up um soon and then um we're actually opening bids later this morning for uh barren road we have some yeah. additional offer money to, to finance that project so for listeners if you know of a family on Barron Road, <laughs> let them know about this podcast. They'll be thrilled. Barron Road is finally getting paid. Right. Now, there'll still be some pain as the construction is done, but then it'll be clear. I was going to put it on the record. I sincerely hope that nobody on Barron Road complains about the disruption. Let's hope. <laughs> you got to have no, no pain, no gain. I, mean, no I always like to warn people. And there's it's a lot of people worse on, before it gets better. Yeah. And there was... Oh, there's a lot of pain on Barron Road. Yes. Most people don't travel it, but if you did drive down it, you feel yeah. like you're on the moon. Or if you used to patch it. Or if you used to patch it. Yeah. You might need a tie rod. And that's it. Barron Road is kind <laughs> of like, right. no longer be barren. <laughs> <laughs> people now might drive on it. Right? Beautiful, nice. <laughs>
that uh, Barron Road was kind of a situation because for the that was built on say in the nineties, early two yeah. thousands, and it was never the road was never accepted by the town at Correct. the time. So that was um that was a problem that we really couldn't do work on Major it for that long time because yeah. we didn't have the rights to it to actually do it wasn't legal for us to do the work there. But um a couple of years ago we were working with the council and we um able got that accepted. Um, and then we were fortunate enough, um, some of this, uh, the additional opera money came available and we decided to use it on that. So Absolutely. everything yeah. kind of came in the, came into place at the right time with that one. So we're mm -hmm. looking forward to that, uh, this season also. So those are the three main, uh, roadway reconstruction projects we're looking at this year. Um, we're also looking maybe as a um, small section of uh, water line or fails road that needs to be replaced. Mm -hmm. We'll be doing that pretty soon. Um, mm -hmm. but, and a lot of these projects we'll design in house. And then we'll uh, put it out to bid, manage the construction in house. Um, so it's good to be able to have all that. Um, you know, like I said, the help with uh, Brooke uh, Morganelli, the assistant uh, town engineer. Um, Eli is a new staff engineer we have with our construction inspection. So, and then we have um, other folks who bring in to help us with the construction inspection observation over the summertime mm -hmm. too. But it's it's good to be able to keep everything in house. I think it provides a good value for the town it's, doing it's it that a way. It's a huge savings. I mean, Absolutely. Um, working with other communities and just having to like mm -hmm. them hire consultants and other, you know, yeah. it's a big chunk of money that, you know, now they're having to spend towards that where they could have just put it towards, you know, the actual project. Sure. Um, well, so and I think from service. my perspective, one of the things that's been mentioned many times, but, and you've got a planned process to do so, but if you're going to touch a road, you're going to touch the infrastructure. So water, sewer, whatever, before you build the road, because then now the base is there and the road itself will last longer. I mean, Barron, uh, it was a good example. So, you know, kind of not something that we touched through the waterline replacement process, but even before we, you know, looked at doing the plans there, we, we went down and TV'd all the sewer. Mm -hmm. We looked at the water main. Um, so we're, we're doing those improvements as part of this job. Correct. Doing it all before, at the same time. Yeah, so we don't have to come back. No, and, no. Uh, dig so it up again. Once yeah. the Barron Road residents, you know, go through this yeah. painful period, they'll, they'll be set for a while. Hopefully, we're set for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the property should be in, value should be in really good shape. <laughs> and you know, I think it speaks to. I, I know this sounds common sense, but Doug iterated something really quickly, which is this sounds like oh, the listeners out there are like, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad they're doing it that way. I wish I could say that this is the way it was in every other community. And right. it's not me trying to bash other other communities or whatnot, but the fragmentation in other communities like is is much, much, much more commonplace than what you're here when the listener is listening to this. Mm -hmm. I, again, I, I we've got to give a shout out to um, you know uh, Mr. Nutting, I think, you know, who really probably changed a lot of those procedures. You guys have 13 years, you've been here a long time. Um, you know, Jeff kind of really made a very public case for this. Mm -hmm. People bought into it. Sure. And now it's just what we do. It's I mean, you and I and Derek and all the folks that have come on after, yeah. you know, Tony and stuff, like we all inherited the system that just is the way it is. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. It works out. It works really well. It does. And I mean, everybody here, it's like, it's a great team. We work well together and yeah. it's just a part of the process. Like when we, Plan on doing a road. We'll talk to Doug, and we'll you know we'll get the sewer lines TV. We'll get the drain. You know, working with Derek, check all the drains to see what we actually need to replace. See what the mm -hmm. problem areas are. Working together, work with Carlos and Tony as far as what we're trying to prioritize some over the others. Um, in addition to all this other work that we uh these capital projects we are going on, we'll also be doing a lot of roadway maintenance. So let uh, Carlos talk about some of that mm -hmm. stuff as far as yeah. what with different types of treatments, sure. things like that. Just trying to get the most bang for our buck. Mm -hmm. 
the most efficient use of funds we have to make these roads last as long as they possibly can before we do have to reconstruct them because reconstructing a, a road from, from like we are in these other neighborhoods is much more expensive than just doing some maintenance every five to 10 right, years sure. and extend the life of those roads. So right. we put a lot of thought into that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and some of the construction that Mike does is, is along with stormwater. Uh, you know, we try to get rid of impervious areas by shrinking roads down and getting right. rid of pavement. As you know, Doug was saying, the water stays in town, goes into mm -hmm. the aquifer, and and back into our drinking water. So yeah. wherever we can, we do try to reduce the width of these. Uh, well, and I know it's a conversation from time to time. And Coronation Drive, I think, is the one most recently where it certainly was a wider road built mm -hmm. for time, but then by shrinking it, obviously it has a cost effect in terms of us less road to maintain. We also gave some land back to the coronation was like from Los Angeles. <laughs> that road, those, some of those roads are so wide they can fit in San Francisco. Sure. I mean, and it's just not, it, it is a very, very inefficient and expensive right. way to use taxpayer dollars. There's a couple I mean, of them left, but not a lot. They, they, we've, yeah, we've narrowed a lot of them up, but we've gone from like 40 feet wide down to 24 feet. Right. And to your point, it's it's not just the cost of actually the construction when we're doing it now, it's future maintenance. Right. When we get the plowing. plowing. Now you can make three or four passes instead of just sure. one. Residents don't get as much more time drive. to get up to other Residents. areas quicker <laughs> and keep people happy. Mm -hmm. yep. and, um, Those and, are innovative things. Like I know that hopefully the listeners are like, wow, this is great. That makes sense. But like this is actually innovative stuff. Like there's not really a lot of communities that are saying to taxpayers, like we're going to take your 40 foot wide road, which is just nuts. Right. You know, and scrape that down to 24, mm -hmm. 26 depending on sidewalk, bike lanes, right. or other dynamic drainage, and saying this is just a way more efficient use. And I know we've had slides on this at presentations for years. I mean, we're talking about saving hundreds of thousands of dollars on projects here that, you know, as people will see in a week or two, you know, and as we, we get into the budget season, you heard it here first on Talk Franklin, but, you know, if we didn't do this, we'd be facing... The numbers that we're seeing are going to be would be exponentially higher and sure. we'd be getting less service and less work done, right? Which is really, really important for people to understand. In, in addition to the funding, the this cost savings are related to that too. You know, we are reducing the, per, the impervious area, which goes back to the stormwater, we're reducing right. our impervious footprint, and then which helps the whole stormwater issue, right? right. So it's, it's yeah. multi benefit. Everything is kind of like domino together. And then even with the data, it's all going to come back to Kate anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> Every time we do a project, we're saying, Kate, Kate we're done. Here's all the information. Go out there. Go out there. Go out there. I shouldn't. I didn't probably like said all roads. <laughs> all roads, trails, rivers, streams, yeah, ponds, everything, water, like yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 Um, just the issue of the time, like, you know, Mike's team does a great job. And even in his free time out of all this, he goes to all the planning board meetings. And he's also our staff, and Brooke and Eli are all our staff reviewers of every development project in town. Mm -hmm. So we've like, got a few of those. We've got a few of those. Mm -hmm. And so not just public projects, but private projects. Sure. You know, 121 Grove and Stobart's and, you know, all these different developments in town. Yeah. You know, Mike and his team go to every meeting and review all that um, and organize all that with our consultants to review all that, mm -hmm. third-party reviews and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, which is probably actually a bigger bulk of your work. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of time. And it's, <laughs> we, uh, we're providing, you know, engineering services to all the other departments and commissions. Right, sure. Too, so right. I mean, it may be a two-hour meeting, but you may have 10 hours of work to prepare for that two-hour meeting. Or 10 hours of work after the meeting. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> we try not go to many meetings because then it piles up more and more work. But 
Yep. There's okay. that, and we deal with a lot of the uh, DPW permits. We handle a lot of those in house right. too. So we'll right. review all those and sign yeah. up on those. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yesterday, yesterday there was another set yeah. of uh, notice of in, notice of intent where some of the projects conservation commission still has to approve of our work. Right. We have a really good relationship with the conservation commission, and you know, depending on the scale of the work, you know, some of the work we just notify them, and we're good. We have an agreement with them. A lot of the projects that require notice of intent, we do have to go through the filing. We do a lot of that work with them too, though. Correct. Yeah. 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 So we're just not getting a free ride just because we're a town. We still have to abide by all the bylaws and regulations. That's right. I mean, we pay ourselves stormwater. I mean, we mm -hmm. like, you know, it's in the town budget. We pay Derek. Um, you know, he's a big customer too. You know, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, we pay him. The town pays Derek to go manage all this stuff. So right. it's all right. in it's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. I think people are probably seeing really clearly just about how much every property, every parcel, and every every citizen is impacted by DPW. Um, and while Mike might be behind the scenes a little bit more, these two fellas are right front and center. Um, Where the rubber meets the road, I, so to speak. Literally. <laughs> uh, or, the, or, the, or the athletic field. Um, give us a little overview, Carlos, of well, what you do and any projects I, coming up. And, I, uh, you know, like you said earlier, yeah. you know, with, with Doug's department, when you flush the toilets, a lot of residents don't see what you do. They see everything we do. Yeah. Right? You know, everything we do is above the surface, you know, and uh, it's seen out there. So, uh, you know, for, with, with the the common, all the beautification around town, sure. you know, everything is, is you know, the fields, mm -hmm. uh, very the, uh, the high school sports yeah. is very big. Spring's coming up soon. And, yeah. you know, it's as soon as the snow falls, right. it, you know, the last snowflake, and, you know, high school's calling other fields ready to play. Mm -hmm. So we uh, we get really, we get really busy getting uh, getting fields ready. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff gets done in the fall. Um some of the projects we do have going on right now, and we do work with Ryan Jetty a lot. Yes. Uh, you know, he's a big part of it. Um, you know, last year we did a great project with DPW and, and Ryan at Nason Street Park. Yes. Uh, great, yeah. great playground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of our team members on, on DPW took mm -hmm. took the lead and did some landscaping around it and sure. really helped out with that. So yeah. that was a real big success. Cleaned yeah. up that area. And yeah. I'll so, put a slight plug in that we still want, or at least some kids, including one grandson, still wants kind of a sandbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at least they're bringing all of their. Street. Your toys up there now. It's kind of a cleaner. Right. That's, that's what the grandson will ask for next. Where's the sandbox next to the beach? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, high school. I mean, high school sports do take a big part. We are we are renovating a field right now. Uh, the JV baseball field. We had some drainage areas around the home plate. Uh, we're working with a contractor on that to finish that up before the season starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, we always try to do a little bit, you know, for, for girls and boys, you know, Absolutely. we really try to spend the money both ways. Yeah. Uh, we did a brand new warning track uh, last fall out on the softball field, varsity softball field. Uh, yeah. And the warning track is important. I mean, some people don't think it's out in the field. It doesn't really matter, but no. it's a safety thing. As people are going to that fence, they, they're stepping on that that stone dust and they feel it underneath their feet they know the yeah. fence is coming so as an outfielder i know that definitely so, <laughs> so some people just think oh it's in the back out there it doesn't matter you know you don't need to spend money out there no. but yeah so some of that stuff's uh been getting done at the high school right. uh tony i'll let tony touch base about a little bit of award that we won uh this yeah. past year yeah for, we, uh, we kind of took on this little project um we were told that uh the franklin varsity baseball field was going to be entered in uh, coaches top fields of New England yeah. and New York. Oh. Um, and it came back winning first place. Excellent. Put a lot of time and effort into it. Congratulations. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful facility. We get 
Just Nothing but compliments from outside teams. The batter's box with the officials area and the Panther logo, yep. et cetera. That had just, yep. I mean, we that's worked a on picture. A, we worked on that with Ryan. And, um, you know, we just, oh, that's that's kind of our baby. It's, yeah. So it was a big deal for us. You know, it was the National National High Schools, American Nationals High School Association mm-hmm. throughout the country. Sure. Uh, and winning that, I mean, all fields in New England and New York, that's a that's a big, pretty big task. And kudos to to our staff and the guys that go out there and prep Absolutely. the fields and get things ready to go. So they'll do a little ceremony for opening day, kind of okay. with Zach Brown and stuff, and kind of promote yep. it a little bit. But, yeah. uh, you know, we, uh, I think, you know, in my background and where I came from in the golf business, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in, you know, taking care of our fields here in town. Yeah. Um, you know, and Tony, you know, he's, you know, he's had his own side businesses, business doing his landscaping and stuff like that. So he's been a big asset on keeping everything uh, the best we can. And, and I got to say, you know, I, I, we talk about veterans, you know, 11 years, 13, I've been here 15, I used to have here uh, 15 <laughs> years ago, but, uh, you know, uh, Ryan's been great to work with, um, you know, the associations, uh, the, the, the presidents of these associations work well together mm-hmm. with, they help fund some stuff. We work together on different projects. So right. we've really built a great relationship on that end. And, and then the coaches. And the coaches, and the coaches yeah. Absolutely. And, and a lot then, of them are volunteers as well. Right. Clearly. So and I know we'll get talk to Ryan and recreation yeah. in a future episode, but that that effectively is the feeding realm with all the rec programs yeah. through to the youth sports and then ultimately the high school and they're getting championships all over the place. Yeah. So it's um it, you know, my cousin of mine is a high school football coach and um you know he just you know I think like eight years, six years ago he put out a tweet about the football team coming and playing in Franklin and put out a, a you know a comment about how you know, wherever, whatever fields he goes to as a high school football coach, mm-hmm. you know, Franklin by far has the best infrastructure on that. I think it's something that is probably in the lifeblood in Franklin, mm-hmm. you know, popularity of Ryan's programs, the school department, yep. Dalton Awards, see if you probably know the stats, like seven out of 10 years, <laughs> we're like the Stanford of high school sports. Like um, five or six in a row. And the, <laughs> the girls teams are just unbelievable, obviously, yep. we're seeing yep. that now. Um, you know, having amazing runs um, mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff, sometimes inside, but sometimes outside. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is a, a product, I think, too. And go back to Jeff uh, Nutting, but a product of really how everything here you hear about relative to the school department and our department uh, division heads. I mean, everything is merged. I mean, you just heard about how much work all these folks do. Um, you know, on behalf of the school department as well. Mm-hmm. We have a great relationship with them. Always have. Um, you know, and, um, you know, the athletic directors, whether it's Tom or Karen, it's just everybody is is working together here um, on all this stuff. And I think the fields um, just are absolutely outstanding. And it's, I think, it's I think when, so when we first came here, we had a, uh, we, we met with the school department. Jeff Nutting was involved in transferring all the school grounds to the DPW. Right. So yeah. I came on board at that time. Uh, as an efficiency move as well, let's mention. Correct. Right. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Yes. And we would meet you know, year after year, how things are going. And, you know, the school department was like, yeah, we're, we're good. We don't, mm-hmm. we, we don't need anything. You guys are doing a fantastic job. And, you know, I mean, it really got to the point. They, we don't even meet anymore. <laughs> they right. just, we're taking care of business. They, yeah. they, they love the ground. They know to we call. take care of it. They right. know to call, right. you know, uh, the communication is great. So, yeah. you know, it, it's good. It's, it actually was very so successful. That first changed and even the custodians, I believe they were separate MOUs, memorandum of understandings. And effectively now you still have some, I think, from a DESI accounting perspective, integration so that the dollars are kept on both sides, but you don't need it otherwise because you've got the relationships. There's about 20 to 25 million worth of 
quote unquote municipal budget money that is completely dedicated towards providing service to the school department, whether it's custodians. But I think, you know, people know about facilities, right? And Mike D'Angelo's department, but I think fewer people are aware of the work that these guys do. I know the school community, right? uh, but the larger community at large, I think, you know, that's why these podcasts are helpful is to Mm -hmm. try to get out the story that, you know, we're mowing all the fields. We're basically taking care of all the sidewalks. We're taking care of the parking lots. Mm -hmm. We're taking care of the buildings, you know, on the municipal side. And it's not just an efficiency standpoint. It's also a sustainability standpoint. Right. Um, you know, as we've seen in, in, in school districts are struggling financially from a lot of things mm-hmm. a lot of and, and, and I think morally, as well as like consciously educators don't get into education to worry about like fields no. that, that, that's okay. Right. Um, they, we want, and I think Jeff always had this vision as well as others They always want the schools to focus on what they're trained to do, which is educating children. Mm-hmm. Right as much focus on that as mm-hmm. possible um, so that all the other things about health insurance negotiations, mowing fields, taking care of leaky roofs, mm-hmm. those are handled by people like a golf course superintendent, <laughs> okay. a former golf course, which if you don't know anything about golf course superintendents, you see Tony Lynn's <laughs> country club thing over here. They're very specific about every blade of grass, right? I worked, in a detail. I worked on a golf course for many, many Details years. Details matter. Fairway, you know, doing doing grounds and sure. and you know, I just remember the golf course superintendent was like so hyper about every blade of grass, and the standard was so high that it's not surprising that folks with this background and all of the departments, folks that we have in highway grounds and trees, you know, mm-hmm. have that same thing. Really quickly. Snow and ice. Before we wrap up, let's end up with no jinx. No jinx. No jinx. jinx. Make sure it just stays warm. Well, well, the groundhog did say, right? We're good. Yeah. Uh, Yes, no nice. Um, You know, I got to say, uh, you know, overall this year hasn't been that bad. I mean, we've had uh, contractors in three times for plowing events. Um, You know, even though it hasn't looked like it hasn't been that bad, but we've gone through seven hundred sixty thousand dollars. Right. Um, and that's overtime, that's salt. Um, well, storms don't overtime happen in, on your regular schedule. They'll happen overnight. And I'll give you a perfect example. Like our, our first storm, we had, you know, overall about six inches of snow. Right. It was probably one of the most expensive storms um, I've dealt with uh, just for the, because the durations are so sure. long. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're getting that snow in the morning. We're getting a little lull. Uh, at that point, I can't just let all the contractors go because we're getting another second batch of snow coming in. Right. So those those are really long duration storms that add up with a lot of overtime, a lot of equipment. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then after that, you know, it's it's as soon as that's done, we're, we're getting sidewalks done. Yeah. Right? We can do the rest of the cleanup. Yeah. So that, that's been, uh, you know, it, we, we do really try really hard. And I think we do a pretty good job of it, of getting our sidewalk machines out there. The council's been very good about getting us new equipment to help us be more efficient on that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, sidewalks again done pretty quickly. Um, you know, and, and I can't say enough about the guys down there. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, we, we have meetings, we talk about storms in the beginning, we talk about storms afterwards. Um, when it comes to first responders and, and, and getting the job done, mm-hmm. We have a tremendous staff down there that are that are just experts at their job, mm-hmm. um, and and they're out there driving middle of the night, you know, three, four, 
five in the morning, you know, getting four or five hours mm -hmm. of sleep. So, yeah, it's it's a great team effort down there. The water side, you know, the, the stormwater side, it, it's a team effort in the whole snow operations. Mm -hmm. It's not just highway and grounds. It's it's the whole team effort. So, right. Um, mechanics, the and mechanics, yeah. yes. And who does the plow route maps? Always goes back to gate. Always goes back to gate. But it's it's uh, you know we you know we still got a little bit of winter left. It's not over. I know it's going to be fifties next week, but people think that uh, winter's over. But you mm -hmm. know we've had some nasty March, yeah. but uh, lately it hasn't been. But Hopefully we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but we are finding out. You know, people talk about climate change and all this. You know, you know, maybe lately we haven't had big amounts of snow, but a lot of ice and salt in the past. Right. right. So we're seeing more of that going right. on. Yeah. Uh, which you know, it's still it's, a cost. It's still a cost, and it's very expensive the salt. Which then has replication factors because now we got to mitigate that in some way because otherwise that's going to end up in our drinking water, and that's one of the salt components that actually is, I think, a little higher than where it should be, but it's not a regulatory thing at this point yet? No, it's a, it's a secondary um, uh, maximum uh, limit, so, right. yeah, uh, but we, we monitor it. Yeah, I, I, I know you do. I just wanted to make sure that people <laughs> yeah. understand that there, there are complications, there are details all yes. the way around yeah. this. And we're doing every little thing we can, like today, for example, with stormwater, uh, you know, school's not in the session, so we're right. sweeping all the parking lots yep. at schools, sure. we're trying to get some of that salt out, some of that debris and collect it. So, you know, we're always trying to do something yearly to combat yeah. stormwater and drinking water. Well, and to, we'll take a minute too. We also got that new kind of striping application method before some of the storms that also helped that, right? You want to talk about yeah, that's the, our new saltwater brine operation. Um, something we uh, started um, experimenting with last year. Um, we found it very helpful when we have the correct conditions. Um, temperature's got to be right. Just in a certain yep. Um yeah. And, you know, our, our guys go around and we, we try to treat all the, the main roads, main intersections, hills mm -hmm. um, throughout the whole town. Right. And um, it's just one of those tools that we have in our back pocket that will help us fight these bigger storms mm -hmm. and create that salt brine on these roads to, to be able to scrape down and not have any hard pack. Right. So, yeah. so successful, we have a second one. <laughs> well, it's not here. Yet. It's not. We're, we're gonna get, we have to get that final vote. But, yeah. Yeah. Come, come. but then ultimately, it, it applies to both safety of the responses as well as just safe driving. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think you know, I think hopefully people's takeaway and some of the specific. I mean, this is like scraping the surface of the story and what all of them do. We would be here for another two hours, I think, yeah. to get into crosswalks, tree trimming. Um, you know, striping, painting, trails, um, how beautiful the common we looks. We could do another two or three uh, series. Beautification, <laughs> lights, <laughs> right? Um, downtown beautification, all the lights on the main sure. street, flags. I mean, yeah. you know, in terms of Veterans Day, Memorial Day, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of stress. Sometimes we're not sure if we're, like, we need more bodies or whatever, yeah. but it's still pretty amazing what, the team is able to accomplish with the amount of people that we have. If you look at the Needhams and Natics, they've got 20 more guys in the public up here. Right. Um, more, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I have a staff of 13. Right, 13. 13 for, what is it, over 200 road miles? Yeah. yeah. So, Kate's like, yep, yeah, I know yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, That's the number, and it's growing I mean, probably. I yep, think, um, it is. <laughs> if I were to leave people on one thought, like I hope people take away, um, to Mike 
uh, Maglio's point earlier, just the camaraderie among the staff, the ability to all work together really well. Um, the culture is extraordinarily good at the DPW. I think the teams that we have down there and the staff that we have, Jake wasn't able to make it. I have to give a shout out to one of the division head that's not here today, Kathy Morad, who nobody really sees or knows, um, but is uh, managing the entire administration staff um, in the front of the DPW. I think it's a staff of six, if I remember, with Roseanne and the rest of the folks mm -hmm. down there. Right. And Kathy was unable to make it this morning because of the day off, but, um, but she's another key element to make sure Maybe all roads lead to Kathy, but if she pays the bills, but it's all of these uh, folks um, on time, on budget, mm -hmm. the trains running on time, everybody, everyone yeah. keeps you all in line. Great resource. Because um, I know how excited all of you get about spending money and excited <laughs> about projects. So um, you can't do anything you know, without spending money. So you yeah. could spend it. And Steve, money. I got to mention, uh, you had mentioned someone, and, and Tony and I are pretty grateful for that, Roseanne who handles all of our snow contracts, yeah, right. deals with the billing, sure. uh, you know, the phone calls from them. I mean, tremendous job she does. Yeah. Without that, um, you know, yeah. we can't do our job because right. all these contracts, insurance, all that stuff, she handles all that stuff. Uh, so we can focus on the roads and staff and equipment, working with Jane, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. uh, tremendous work on Roseanne's part to, yeah, to take care of that. She's also a key contributor on uh, recruiting snow shovelers for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, true. Yeah. As a mom in town, she's got a lot of good elbows. Oh, yes. Teenagers. Every shovel helps. That's Walkways and doorways. Well, I hope that gave everybody and the listeners gave a good overview of what we do. I know we're a little bit beyond time, but... Um, you know, if, if folks ever need more, they want to take a tour, they want to see rain gardens, look at a treatment facility, you know, um, engage on maps, um, even see the mechanic fleet. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, all these folks are here. Just, just don't make it complicated. Just shoot, just pick up the phone. Now I sound like Jeff. <laughs> Call, um, shoot an email and, and these folks are, are ready and willing to, to help people out answer their questions and, and uh, engage a little deeper. So I thank the whole DPW for coming up today. I thank you as well for taking time to share as you yeah. have, because I think people will be able to listen to this and say, hey, they're having a good time. Look what's going on. And oh, yeah. by the way, we're learning stuff along the way. So. One other last aspect of that is as we involve this new Talk Franklin format, we figured we'd kind of like do something like kind of a family feud version of Talk Franklin. So since DPW covers a lot of topics, but the visible things is roads and highways. So what songs in the popular culture reference roads and or highways or something of that sort? And we'll just for a little fun competition, we'll, the administration, so Jamie and Amy will get five and they can determine how many so of themselves mention five songs. Okay. If they're on the top 20 list that I have Googled and pulled up, they'll get some points. And then the rest of you also get like five. <laughs> and we'll see, you know, the points don't matter. Somebody may keep score. I'm not going to keep score, but we should have some fun. Uh, I already tipped my hat. I already... This. I already went right into Highway to Hell. I don't know if that's <laughs> Highway to Hell I don't know number that, one. I like, I, I came to the right place. <laughs> I'm not that. We've got really to be on this side. Yeah. How about uh, Highway Side? Oh, yeah. No. So <laughs> yes. No. Number 18 on the list. Nice oh, job, Mike. That's a well, deep Actually, eight, 18 is more points than one. That's a <laughs> We're deep just having fun. Though. That's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. deep cut. Um, how about Country Road, John Denver? Nice job. That's a good one. 
It is should be here, but it's not. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> that should definitely be on that list. There is no Sorry, way. I didn't make the list. It's just a, <laughs> no. I mean, that's a little bit better than Highway to Hell being number one. I gotta take the road. Yeah. How about the Beatles? Long and winding road. Ooh. Nice job, Kate. That should be here too, but it's not. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. What list is this? <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's not question list. Let's go for another song. Yep. What's up? What else is up? Life is a highway. Oh, that's yes, awesome. it is. Yes, it is. Number four on the list. Oh, gosh. Okay. On the road again. Oh. On the road again. Yes, number three on Good the list. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, Shakedown Street. Ooh, that's, a that's a great one. That's a good one. But it's, it's probably on, not on there. It's not on the list. No, he's no. going to challenge the list. That's a very good one. <laughs> we'll share the link and the full list in the because there's 27. I just picked the first 20. So yeah. 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 But anyway, what yeah. else we got? Yellow Brick Road. Elton oh. John. Oh yes, I think that's yeah. here. Wait a sec. I saw it. I saw it. No, I didn't. Yes, no, it is. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Number two on the list. Oh, oh, nice job. There we go. So we we at least have the top four so far. Yeah. <laughs> See if we can get five in the last questions. Yeah. Any, <laughs> no I, one more? I don't know if I even have any other guests. These are really good. Yeah, no, guesses. Oh, indeed. Taking the road and life is a highway is two I had. I yeah. Know. yeah. We, we could that. slow it down a little bit. <laughs> broken Rose by Rascal Flatts. Broken Another good, no, another it's excellent. a good one, but it's not on the list. <clears throat> so just quickly, in the benefit of time, yeah. uh, number five, "Take It Easy" by the Eagles. Oh yeah. <laughs> number six, "Route 66" by Chuck Berry. Oh, Route 66 makes sense. "Born to Run" by Bruce. Oh, you left that one out. That wasn't "Running on Empty" by Jackson Brown. "Sweet Home Alabama." Little How are those on a list with Shakedown Street <laughs> and Long and Winding Road? And those are yeah. in the How about in the name of the name of the, the, hit the road actually, what's hit, hit the road was that mentioned before? Because I yeah. missed it. I missed it. I'm sorry. Oh, I missed oh, it. It's on the list. Kate did get that. I missed it. Hit the road. Hit, hit the road, Jack. I was just going to say that because number ten <laughs> with Ray Charles was hit the road, Jack. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was kind uh, of fun. It was fun. And in the There's show, more songs about roads, trails, and highways than elections. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Right. So, Country yeah. road, though that one—that's a little. That's yeah. You'll, you'll that be able place. to check. That's, that's number twenty-six. This number twenty-six. It was on my list, Andy. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's if it's on your list, that's really all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Keeping score, yeah. no. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for taking time. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners will have had some fun and learned something, which is really the key. Um, and quick reminder for the listeners, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. 
The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.